This episode of Truce Table is brought to you by Truce Table. By Truce Table, Black women's musings on life, love, and liberations everywhere where books are sold. Online, in the stores, at your mama's pop bookstore. Go buy our book. Everywhere. Period. And debt-free degree with Dr. Roz, whose mission is to teach students to create wealth by graduating without loans or debt. Avoid the average $75,000 in student loan debt. Follow Debt-Free Degree with Dr. Roz on Instagram and Twitter at Debt-Free Degree with Dr. Roz and visit her Patreon community, www.patreon.com slash debt-free degree. Hey, I'm McKimini. And I'm Christina. This table is built by Black women and for Black women. So welcome to the table, C. How you doing, girl? I'm doing. As always, I'm on the move. I feel like, you know, what is it? Carmen San Diego. Where in the world is, is Christina? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen. So, um, yeah, I'm, at, I'm in a hotel room yeah, trying to handle a little bit of little business here. But how are you today? You look lovely with this head wrap. See, listen, to the people at home, I try to talk about what, what's happening in the imagery to incentivize you to go ahead and become a Patreon so you can see the videos. That's so let's talk about this head wrap. Let's talk about this head wrap. Get out my head wrap, gal. So, <laughs> you know, what's going on underneath here? Need some listen. Camera love and care. So. Listen, ain't nobody's business what's happening under my head wrap. Okay. <laughs> Let's wrap it up. So <laughs> it's appropriate because we are wrapping up our behind. Come on, seg- you better be a seg- a Segway diva. Segwayer, you know. <laughs> Segway slayer. And so we are wrapping Segway up. Segway slayer. We are Segway slayer. That's it. Y'all, we are wrapping it up. This is the final behind our book The episode. final countdown. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. right. And y'all know that, and, or maybe you don't know if you haven't gotten it. <laughs> Truth table, black. Come on now, y'all need to get y'all need to go ahead and buy this book for real, for real, <laughs> for real, uh, in a real way. Um, but yeah, so I um, had the privilege of uh, and honor of not only opening the book but closing the book. And so my um, this is true. Uh, the concluding chapter of um, our book is entitled D- "Diaspora Dreams: Blackness as the Image of God," um, written by yours truly, Akemini Owen. Um, so yeah, so Christine's gonna ask me questions about my my chapter. I am. I've got questions, and you know what's interesting is as you say that as the opening voice and the ending voice on the, in the book. I mean, we you know there's there's other little kind of voices in there too in terms of our acknowledgments and whatnot. That's similar to the podcast as well, though, right? Like, so we have kind of an opening voice. And so it, it parallels that that's, that's true to form of kind of how we have, we have rolled for a while. Um, and so that's a good point. And we didn't even bring that up in the editorial process either. When we were trying to figure out how to start, we didn't even think about that, but you're right. (laughs) It just, it just, it just worked out y'all. It worked out. There were, there was actually a lot of intentionality, but there are some things that just kind of fell into place. So I want to talk a little bit about this topic. First, First of all, it is beautifully named, um, this this idea of diaspora dreams. And you and I, we, we spent a lot of time actually talking about our different social locations, mm-hmm. um, not like in a, yeah, not like in a super structured way, but it does bubble up. We, we talk about that, I think, in a way that's kind of comp- complementary um, and not adversarial, but how it gives us a different sense of who we are and how we can relate and understand each other. And so 
I feel like I know why you may write this topic, but I want to hear you tell the people yeah. who hopefully have the book in their hand. If not, you should get the book yes. about why you picked this topic and, and maybe a little bit about the beauty behind even the name, the intentionality around the name of, the, of, this, yeah. of this chapter. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Diaspora Dreams, Blackness as the Image of God, final chapter of Truth Table, Black Women's Musings on Life, Love, and Liberation. To me, it was, first of all, it is the, let me think, it is the only chapter in the book that is brand spanking new, meaning there was nothing on there. I was not working off of a talk. I was not working off of a, a previous op-ed. I wasn't expanding anything. <laughs> um, and so it, it's really fresh, um, um, you know, from, from, from my brain, if you, if you will. But I have been thinking, because <laughs> I'm a thinking woman and we are thinking women. I've been thinking about these things for, for many, many years. Um, and so to me, I think there were a couple of reasons why I wanted to write about it. Um, primarily, uh, seeing the chasms or the, uh, I would say the fracturing within our community, um, among Africans, among Caribbeans, among African Americans, um, and just this, uh, deep divides that are happening, you know, this, this polarization that's happened, the political polarization that's happening in the country, um, which I think is not only just political and sociological, I actually think is actual sp spiritual and it's seeping into every crevice <laughs> um, of, of our lives. And yeah, yeah. Um, talk about it. it. And we're no exception. Our community is that's no right. exception. Uh, and it's sad because we, um, are naturally and culturally very communal um, and have kinship and fictive um, um, kinship relationships. And so it's very, I think that makes it all the more glaring and obvious to me that we are in a bit of a crisis, you know, and I, sure. I, I'm not trying to, you know, catastrophize and um, being sensational about it, but I do think that we are in a crisis of um, multiple crises, actually. But I do think that we're in a crisis of like our own identity and understanding our mutuality and our mutual mm -hmm. connection. And so these diaspora wars that we've been seeing on Twitter, yeah. Insta anywhere on social media for the most part, um, you're just seeing this these divides and these divisions. I mean, just the other day we were, I saw this tweet, you know, about the publishing industry and woo <laughs> mm -hmm. Y'all got money to pay me to write about that. I shall. Okay. But in there, I even saw in there just, uh, mm -hmm. you know, uh, uh, you know, a, a African American woman, black woman, you know, um, talking about how they, they, you know, the industry will prop up Caribbean and West African writers in lieu of, you know, black American writers. And I'm just like, Mm. It's, it's the same mm. conversation that we hear about, say, the movie industry about like, mm -hmm. you, know, mm -hmm. you know, David Oyelowo should not play MLK, right? But then anyway, y'all hear, yeah. y'all know. And so to me, yeah, that, yeah. that was really important. That's a, a pain point for me uh, because I grew up from my social location as one who um, is, uh, you know, uh, Nigerian American first gen. Um, who descends from the Abibio people, it was important for me to write about that. And I grew up um, with a Pan-Africanist lens and framework. Mm -hmm. So that's just, mm -hmm. I, the, all of that friction to me is just cuts me 
to my soul. Like I could weep tears about that. It, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's to toxic. Mm-hmm. It's so toxic. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just like, we don't need that, you know? And it, it's just evidence of just the, um, the efficacy of white mm-hmm. supremacy. And yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. admit that, but you know what I mean? But it's so, it's efficacious. <laughs> like you know what I'm saying? It's just yeah. the way that it just seeps into our country. So into our, I'm sorry, into our, uh, our community. So that's one. Sure. Two, as I yeah. mentioned, yes, my social location was really important because I think that sometimes, no, not sometimes, oftentimes um, what's lost in the narrative in the transatlantic slave trade and U.S. chattel slavery mm-hmm. are the people left, um, I, I call it on the backside, on the backside of that history. So the Africans mm-hmm. um, that were left behind, uh, sure. left there in the continent to contend with the fact that they've been ripped away from their own children, mm-hmm. their spouse, uh, their their siblings, right? Their cousins, their neighbor, whoever those people were to them, they were left behind with that. And then mm-hmm. also had to contend with colonialism, right? And then so then yeah. then they were made second class citizens on their own land. So what does that yeah. what does that mean? And then our even our mutual connectivity, right? And so that these people that were shipped and taken, they belong to a people. They belong to That's a right. land. <laughs> they right. have familial connections or had them, you know, and had yeah, it not been yeah, yeah. transatlantic slave trade, we wouldn't, you know, we would not be uh, apart in the ways that we are. So for me, it was really important to mm-hmm. uh, make that connection as one who has that unique social location to be like my people. Um, upwards of close yeah. to about a million were snatched in the transatlantic slave trade, and so being always having that question of like, who are my people? And so I think that was important for me to lift up and put that in the chapter. So those are the two main things um, I mm-hmm. wanted to talk about. I talked a little bit in the beginning about, you know, blackness and whiteness and, and the image of God, right? And so being able ultimately to be able to see like, wrestle with those questions about blackness and the image of God. And because these are... Mm-hmm. Uh, the site, that's the side of our oppression, right? Is the dehumanization of us and the um, refusal to recognize our humanity. So to me, that was really, really important. I think that these are internal questions that I think a lot of Black folks <laughs> um, mm-hmm. really on the continent or in the diaspora or here, you know, you, I think you wrestle with that internally. Might not want to say mm-hmm. it audibly, but I do think mm-hmm. that's an internal wrestle. And like, am I? Yeah. Did God make me black on purpose? Is my blackness good? I think that people do ask that question. Mm-hmm, sure. Because of shame. Sure, sure. Well, so, that yeah. and they they've actually literally been told the opposite. Yeah. And they they've been told for hundreds of years the opposite. Uh so, I'm you know, the, people Yeah, yeah. The curse, curse of ham. There's all kinds of religious abuse and manipulation and yes. and even as you're just talking about the um who's on the backside, who's been left behind. Yeah. Uh, in the marriage chapter, you know, I talk about Hagar Blackmore, who was snatched from the, the coast of West Africa and still a nursing mother at the time who left behind, who was, you know, her her, her child and her husband, you know, her, are left yeah. behind That's on the right. shores of West Africa um, yeah. as she's brought here. And, and even listening to you, I'm thinking about um, just connecting a couple of dots, you know, in, in your singleness chapter, you know, I was thinking about the ways in which men were overselected in the transatlantic slave trade. Yes, from the coast of West Africa, and the devastation that that would have caused for the lives of women in communities 
in West African nations that had people stolen from them in the same way that parallels today the uh, loss of a generation within the African-American community. So um, there are these interconnected strengths and also these interconnected traumas. That's right. Um, and we need to be band together uh, and respect and see the the commonality and, and the strength that's there. So talk a little bit about how you prepared to write this chapter. You mentioned that, you know, this one was from scratch. I mean, obviously you had a whole lot in your heart and in your story and your experiences. But as you said, you didn't have a, a, a talk uh, or a lecture to, to draw from. So talk about just the mechanics and the spiritual element of how this chapter came to be for you. Ooh, yeah. So, um, goodness. Yeah. So my approach to this chapter was just really, um, just really thinking about my own work through the years on, you know, anti-racism, the things that I've, that I've spoken about, the things that I've said, you know, I've often said it maybe on Twitter and other, when I used to tweet, <laughs> I don't tweet like that no more. Cause I didn't said everything I need to say. Listen, they don't tweet no more. They don't tweet no more. So, <laughs> so Listen, nothing else to be said. The prophets have gone silent. What else do y'all want me to say? Judgment has come. Yeah, listen. <laughs> I don't know. Um, segue. Uh, a little side note there, but I, I talked about how you know I dream in diaspora. You know, I just have always had this like, you know, I've always had that question. Like, you know, like just just knowing the geography of or vaguely, like you know, at a novice level, knowing our people are by the water which means a whole lot of our people got snatched. And how come, and why is it that the history of Nigeria does not factor into a lot of these conversations about U.S. child slavery and transatlantic slave trade? It's so odd to me. I, 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 I can rationalize, I can logically get to probably why that is um, because of the colonial history and things, but I'm like, we supplied, sadly, Nigeria supplied millions you know of enslaved africans like what what in the world like how come what you know where is our you'll hear about ghana quite a bit you know and a lot of you know a lot of things but i think there's a whole lot of political reasons why you don't hear as much about it so so anyway so i, I just i was answering trying to answer a lot of questions i have just had a lot of questions you know and just kind of even talking to my mom letting her know and like y'all know about this did you know and yeah, you know, like through oral history, some things, you know, we always heard that possibly there, there were some cousins, there were some people, you know, taken, you know, and that's why we always call, they always say, that's why we always call um, African-Americans, they call which is black people, you know, that, that there are cousins, you know, like that, they've always said that. And so I remember this, this curiosity, like being in me ever since I was little. And like my first time I went to Nigeria was like, in, in 95, I was like 13, you know, and I was always like, huh, like just thinking and looking at relatives that look like people in my neighborhood and just, make, I don't know, just trying to figure some things out. So I'm kind of going back to my 13 year old mind. And then I'm also fast forwarding to now and just seeing like even just historical landmarks and seeing, oh, the, like, um, you know, you'll go to historical landmarks like in Philadelphia, in New Orleans, and they'll, you know, they'll have um, markers you know, for where the enslaved were or memorials. And on there, you'll see Ebibio and you'll see Ethic and you're like, huh, that's, that's my people. Like, and so just like trying to like uncover this history that is really hidden in plain sight. It's there, but 
it's not there. Like, you know, or it's, or it's suppressed or it's not, you know, taken. I don't know. It, it's just very odd. So, so for me, just trying to answer a lot of these nagging <laughs> questions that I'm still trying to answer and piece together. Um, I did, of course, a lot of prayer, um, you know, you know, for like, like why and how I would approach this, you know, this subject and talk about it. I also knew I had to talk a little bit about, or even admit my own approaches to anti-racism. So talking about whiteness in, um, uh, in, 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 in opposing terms to blackness, which are, there's a place for that because all these things were invented. Um, but it was important for me to be able to to differentiate blackness in some distinctive ways, and then of course um, talking about, talking about blackness um, in conversation with the image of God, and what that means for us. So going to Genesis and you know doing that you know systematic theology there um, to help us you know to walk through and and you know and, and just try to get us to have a sense of pride, um, adoration, and thanksgiving to God for making us black on purpose. Well, that is a good place for us to pause and marinate on what it means that we are black on purpose <laughs> by God's design. And so, and so we'll we'll take a pause here and listen to some of our sponsors and then we'll get right back to hearing about diaspora dreams. Truth's Table, Black Women's Musings on Life, Love and Liberation is a classic in the making, according to Tracy Michelle Lewis Jiggett, author of Black Joy, Stories of Resistance, Resilience, and Restoration. New York Times bestselling author, Dr. Jamar Tisby, says that people often say, listen to Black women. Now at Truth's Table, you have your chance. We don't deserve the gift of this book, but once again, Black women have generously served us all. If we are to actually alleviate the immense burdens our sisters bear, then we must heed their words. T. Morgan Dixon, co-founder of Girl Trek, says this, There is a textured knowing in this book, a spiritual enlightenment, made brighter by the author's own personal breakthroughs. The way they describe the fabric of our collective trauma makes me trust their solutions. And Dr. Joy Hardin-Bradford, founder of Therapy for Black Girls, says that Truth's Table, Black Women's Musings on Life, Love, and Liberation, shines a light on some of our most vulnerable places as Black women, leaving no stone unturned. Truth's Table, Black Women's Musings on Life, Love, and Liberation, is a clarion call to consider our communal truths by opening ourselves up to a deeper inner truth. By Truth's Table, Black Women's Musings on Life, Love, and Liberation, wherever books are sold. $100,000. That's a lot of money, y'all. 37% of students with student loan debt owe over $100,000. Woo, that is almost a house. And y'all, I'm in the number. Jesus be a debt counselor. Dr. Roz has three degrees, including her PhD, and she only took $1,000 in loans. And she wants to teach you and your students how to earn a debt-free degree. Dr. Roz is a nonviolent strategist, culture shifter, and hugger. She teaches Dr. Martin Luther King's philosophy and methodology of nonviolence around the globe. And as part of that, she teaches students how to earn any degree without loans. That's right, y'all. Any degree without loans loans. Imagine the trajectory of your life or the life of a current student who goes into their profession unencumbered by student loan payments versus the student that's saddled with six-figure student loan debt. 
Dr. Roz has a great offer for Truth Table listeners. When you join any level of her Patreon community, send her a message in Patreon and mention Truth Table, and she will refund you half of your membership fee for the first month. That's right, y'all. When you join her community and you send her a DM saying you heard it from Truth Table, she will refund you half of your membership fee for the first month of joining her Patreon community. Families and educators, this is a great way to guide your students to a debt-free degree using all the tips, tricks, and tools that Dr. Roz provides. To learn more about debt-free degree, go to patreon.com slash debt-free degree and follow Dr. Roz on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn at debt-free degree with Dr. Roz. And so we are back with Diaspora Dreams written by Akemini. Yes, she did. The opener and closer for this book. And again, if you have not gotten it, I mean, today is a good day to make that happen. <laughs> and, and since you waited so long, I'm going, I am going to compel you to get one for you and one for your cousin too. Because basically, as we're talking about Diaspora Dreams, we're talking about cousin connections, right? Uh, Communal connections. And so this is a book that you will enjoy reading in community together. So let's get back to this chapter, Kimini. Talk to us a little bit about um, really the joys, like what enlivened you about writing it and what were some of maybe the angst or fears that you had about this this conceptualization, this, this, um, this introductory gift that you gave on this topic? Yeah. So, um, you know, so the joys is, uh, you know, I love, uh, you know, I kind of got to delve into some works that I, I really love and cherish, um, like Derek Bell's Faces at the Bottom of the Well and The Color Purple. I did the movie. I didn't do the book um, in this, um, in yes, this yes. chapter. But I um, these are just, you know, I think that for so the, so the joys was just kind of sort of just interacting and being able to lift up. Uh, those pieces of work that have been formative and and, uh, and informative <laughs> uh, in my own political education. The, the late Derek Bell, uh, I've always just appreciated his work, um, particularly in his uh, the ways that he uses um, vignettes and narratives, um, uh, and sometimes like look parables, if you will, um, to yeah, for sure, you know, to get the message across about racism. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well, well storytelling, right? That's In right. order to to humanize and connect. So That's absolutely. Right. That's right. And so um so I, you know, so I there's something in there that I, there's a the piece in his book, uh, a vignette in his book um, about, I think the chapter is Afro-Atlantica. And uh, that might be the actual chapter title. Sorry, I got to look it up. But anyway, faces at the bottom of the wheel, you know, get a book, watch it, read it. Um, and there has, there has always been, uh, I know for me, I guess I can't speak for the whole black delegation. Cause we definitely ain't a monolith. That's for sure. And that's so- a fact. The the, cousin, the cousins have great diversity of thought and interests and actions. That's right. Carry on. And motivate. <laughs> Cause and- we're humans, human beings. There's individuality and there's a communal identity. <laughs> I love y'all still. I love y'all still. Even if you don't love me back, help us more. I'm sorry. Yeah. My God. My God. Help us. But um, in there, he talks about Afro-Atlantica and this place, you know, this, this, world that rises up from the ocean, you know, I think of the Atlantic ocean and it's, and, um, only <laughs> the only people that could survive in that world are, are black people. 
And uh, and so it talks about, you know, voyage and going back. And so anyway, I, you know, I, I, I cite him on that and kind of interact with Afro-Atlantica and just this longing that I have felt, not speaking for the Black delegation, but I have felt <laughs> about a place right, right. that is just for us where we can just be, mm-hmm. where we can simply be who we are, who we've been created mm-hmm. to be without death dealing policies, without threat of violence, without worrying or always having yeah. to watch our back, front and sides. Um, and I think that in some ways that's the reason why Zamunda and Wakanda, you know, um, <laughs> right, all of these right, right. Fictional, right? These fictional and, and, well, and, 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 the, and the black cookout and, the black you cookout. know, and HBCU culture, these, these are right. attempted Attempted havens, attempted That's uh, right. safe affinity spaces. Mm-hmm. Yes, 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 yes. So, so yeah, exactly. And so, I think those are those are the reasons why those places exist. You know, so a mm-hmm. place where we can just be in a black bubble, just to just be. You know, and then just see the variety <laughs> and the diversity. Right. Within blackness, because it is diverse, um, and the the class, the different class levels, right? Within mm-hmm. uh, blackness, I think it, in some ways, when we are, because we are here, there's ways in which our identity can be flattened, you know, and and um, you know, because of just the the social order, you know, here mm-hmm. in America and mm-hmm. around the globe, really, but here in America in particular, and so to me, it was very very important to. To lift that up, and 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 even the significance of the fact that Wakanda and Zamunda—that even in our imagination, mm-hmm. we can't imagine that to be a Nigeria or even a Rwanda. That's very stable, mm-hmm. or Ghana. That's very stable. It has to be somewhere imaginary, right? Because right. we know. I think in our subconscious, even if the writers yeah, yeah. Of those don't know and don't have like some sort of um, high critical um, race analysis, they know the pervasiveness of white supremacy. You know, I think we, we feel it in our bones. And I think we even know that even there in Africa, you can't escape it um, from one degree to the next. And so anyway, so I was exploring these things that I'm often thinking about because I'm often, I'm often thinking about a place um, where we can find respite, res- respite, I'm sorry, and safe haven. And um, so anyway, so, so that is definitely something that was a joy. I think the challenge um, for that, for this chapter was that, will it, will people take offense or critique my framing or my, um, he- heaven word, <laughs> uh, framing, you know, the, you know, there is that critique yeah, about yeah, yeah. our blessings ain't just for the, you know, the, the by and by, you know, um, as far as the now and now, I believe that, and I did write that in the book. But I do think that we we got to know that on this side, on this side, even if we Listen. get reparations, which reparations now, even if we get uh, student loan debt canceled, even if we get, even if the Lord raises up a whole bunch of black men for single black women. Listen, whatever it is that's on your list, <laughs> whatever is on your list, you know what I'm saying? Even on this side, stuff is going to be mixed, y'all. <laughs> You're going to get mixed right. results because that's we are right. in a fallen world. And so to me, it was really important for, for me to be able to cast vision about what awaits us. And so a little yeah. bit of the challenge was being able to do that well uh, and yeah. to be able to give people hope 
you know, for the future mm-hmm. as well as still be able to rebuke because there's a, there's some rebuke up in there. <laughs> Right, right, right. But but I thought, yeah, so so that was kind of sort of my, oh, are people going to be like, oh, you're telling me to wait until heaven? You know, um, yes and no. Yeah. I think there's mm-hmm. different yes and no in that chapter, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, even when you just, yeah, I think that's super helpful and clarifying. And I think even when you just mentioned, you know, dreaming of like a, a, a Zamunda or a Wakanda, why can't people? And I, and I was thinking that from my vantage point, I was like, oh, well, people can't dream without having some file folders of what they have seen. Definitely. And so Black Americans Definitely. dreamt that up. And so it would take a diasporic unification to be able to see That's the right. land of, of in which you have been denied, right? In order to dream that together. Um, and there's so many- um, That's true. There's so many things implicitly and explicitly that pull that unification apart in order to dream together, which is why I absolutely love yeah. the idea of diaspora dreams. What it, what does it mean to dream together? Because your vantage point and my vantage point and my story and your story and our ancestor stories can then create this bandwidth where we can dream more expansively together yeah. to see beyond uh, the limitations of our vantage point. So if there was a, if there was, a, a, I'm still dreaming because yeah. <laughs> I have a dream, part two or, um, you know, in other words, like what was, what's not in this chapter? Where would you want to take it next if you felt desired to do that, right? What What's not in there that could be in there? What's the part two? Yeah. Um, part two is my solo book. Pray for me. Amen. Pray. Amen. Pray, Pray saints. Me. Stretch your hands. The, that the Lord will give me the writing anointing. To, toward towards your earphones. Such <laughs> <laughs> anointing. Uh, that exactly, exactly. Me. That's a book I felt like I was born to write. And so it's it's a lot. You know, um, but that, that that's right. But also what I, I feel might have been left out, I would have probably wanted to pointedly address. Um if I had the space, but I did use up a lot of space in the manifesto. Rightfully so, because uh, we're in crisis. Uh, but I, uh, I would have pointedly talked about and written about Pan Africanism. Um, I think, um, and then you know, just to really get everybody oriented, you know, in that way. And I probably would have also uh, mm-hmm. pointedly, um, how can I say? Um, deconstructed or demystified or even written um, against ADOS, um, you know, that movement um, that seeks to continue um, to uh, divide our community. Um, And I think in some ways I probably could have done, I think I did do, yeah, no, no, no. I think I did the right. I was trying to think, I was like, would I write more extensively? on blackness, but I think I did, but maybe I could have gone maybe a little bit more technical, I guess. But in some mm-hmm. ways if I did that, it would have probably maybe in some ways I might have I might have had to bring in the construct of whiteness and how that stuff. So I just I, I kinda wanted to be able to toe that line because I just didn't want mm-hmm. to do that. And so so yeah, but those yeah, yeah. The, more so the former than the than the latter is what yeah, I yeah, yeah. wanted to include and bring in there. Yeah, yeah. I mean I think certainly an apologetic that helps people to better understand the limitations of, you know, kind of that ADOS or anti-diasporic yeah. pursuit of justice and yeah. why that is, why that's a problem. Yes. Um, and why it's not 
why it's not fully cogent. I mean, I get I get the cheat sheet of it because it's like let's find a let's let's find a a promise given that was broken, but the breach goes way further back. <laughs> it goes way further back than like the Emancipation Proclamation, y'all. So, but but I get it, I get it because people are trying to trying to figure that out conceptually, but it does such great harm. And so I think you speak really well to that. I'm looking forward to that piece yeah. that you bring forward. So yeah. if you haven't read this chapter you need to read it. And it is the closing chapter of the book. And I think that it has something for obviously people who are of African descent. But I think as we think about the beauty of reunification across the board for all peoples, um, for everyone who has experienced uh, uh, cultural trafficking, um, refugee experience, who have had families split uh, on on a smaller micro level, there is something about this promise of unity, unification in glory that I think enlivens all of us to dream, certainly for those first and foremost of African descent, but for all peoples. Um, And I think it's a beautiful ending um, to this particular book project. So y'all check it out. And also let us know what you think about this book, the different chapters. And so we have hopefully inspired your interest as we have, uh, you know, done these, these episodes, but we've already gotten feedback from people who, who listen, who, who first like read their chapter, then listen to this, or they do the opposite. (laughs) We want you to, we want you to get on board too. And we want you again, of course, to purchase the book. Share it with someone else, get them their copy too, um, and and really get into it and give it give us feedback. And then you know what happens after this chapter in the book, though, Kimini? Like what they find is their blank pages for their music. That's right. So we did all this work to also see what you gonna do <laughs> to stir you up so that you would be inspired. What you what you got to say now? Hopefully you got something to say. I know you do. Yeah. And so we are eager now to hear people share their musings. We've given y'all a book. We've been giving you these episodes. So what y'all going to give us? <laughs> so we want to hear these musings uh, that you are inspired to write as well. And we look forward to hearing those and celebrating what God has given you uniquely. So Kimberly, close us out. Yes. Well, see, thank you so much for asking me about my chapter. This is indeed, I'm, indeed. Out of all of them, this is my, my the favorite one. That I've written yes, the one yes, that's yes. deeply like, whew, I just find it to be really generative, you know? And so I, yeah. So it's, it's hard for me to even read the chapter without crying. And you know that. Dream, dreaming is an expression of hope, right? Yes, and absolutely. so, and because hope is, is generative, <laughs> right? When we stop dreaming, it also means we stop resting. I mean, it's, we, 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 I can preach, I can preach about it. Let me stop. Go ahead. That's Close fine. the show out. <laughs> <laughs> Close the oh show. Oh my out. goodness. But yeah, so anyway, I hope y'all enjoyed this episode. Thank you for taking a seat at the table with us this week. Let's keep the conversation going. Tweet us your thoughts about behind our book, Diaspora Dreams with Akemini Uwan. Using the hashtag Truth Table and Truth Table Book, uh, Black Women, y'all, we have a Facebook, Black Women's Facebook Discipleship Group. So, Make sure you like our page on uh, our Truth Table page on Facebook and join our group. Answer all of the questions. You might want to register on your laptop so you can agree to the group rules, okay? Because we don't want no tussling in the Facebook group. Um, invite your friends. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Truth Table or email us your thoughts at asktruthstable at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes and subscribe on your favorite podcast player. Truth Table has a Patreon account so y'all can send your love off 
offerings to patreon.com slash truthstable. Or you can bless us at our PayPal, which is paypal.me slash truthstable. Truthstable is made possible in part by Pottery Studios. Visit pottery.com for the highest in quality online audio entertainment. Our producer for the show is Joshua Heath. Our executive producer is Bo York. And our video producer is Daryl Bradford. And we have been your hosts, Akemini and Christina. We'll see you soon on the next Truth Table. Bye, y'all.